0: Now on Food FM, it's the Baker's Dozen with Stephen Hallam, the pork pie man with a bow tie from the old pork pie shop in Melton Mowbray, the world centre of excellence for pork pies. Baker's Dozen on Food FM. Troll Station is the Norwegian research base on Queen Maudland in Antarctica, where the annual temperature averages around minus 25 degrees centigrade. The station is extremely remote and during winter is physically cut off from the rest of the world. Karen John's daughter is the chef with responsibility for feeding the crew, be it just a few people during the winter months or a lot more when the scientists return to the station for the summer period. Karen, welcome.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Just to set the scene for our listeners, you're actually talking to me from Antarctica. What's the outside temperature roughly at the moment?
1: Uh, Minus 15 degrees Celsius uh, the last time I checked. Um, But the sun is out uh, still. We have the long evenings now.
0: So tell me, how does a Swedish lady come to be in perhaps one of the most isolated places on Earth?
1: Um, Well, I've always wanted to work close to nature. I can say that I get a kick out of being completely alone in nature and... I search for that loneliness. I have a background in um, Arctic and Antarctic uh, cruise industry as well. So I have that uh, love for the cold, cold nature and the polar regions. But I guess the first step towards where I am now today would be the Norwegian fjords. Um, so I'm from Sweden and I'm always admired Norway. For its wildness and the fjords there, and um, so 13 years ago, I applied to the Norwegian cruise company Hurtigruten, and from there on, I uh, I got a job and eventually worked myself up to become a head chef. And uh, later on, I uh, I actually managed to get myself on ships that was outside Norway. So I ended up in Antarctica, uh, South Georgia. And yeah, it's just, I thrive in environments like that. It's just pure wildness. I love it.
0: (laughs) Have you always wished to be a chef?
1: Um, I had uh, a dream to become a a vet when I was uh, a child. But then I realized that you have to study uh, as long as a a doctor needs to study. And uh, study is not my thing. I just, I can't sit down for that long. I need to move and um, I get the itchy ants in my pants, as my mom says. Uh, so, yeah, I need to move and I wanted to travel. And I, I knew that cooking uh, could get me a job anywhere in the world. So, um, I guess it wasn't that I wanted to be a chef as a young child, but yeah, it developed later on, uh, early teen teens, I would say.
0: What Was there any particular inspiration or person that in, inspired you for the love of food and baking?
1: I guess it's from where the environment I, I grew up in, in Sweden. Uh, my parents and my grandparents um, were all really into cooking and showed me what good food is and where it comes from. And my grandparents had a small farm and... So we had the hens and eggs and pigs and um, so I understood I think quite early the circle and the, sort of where the animal comes from and, and I think that inspired me. And my mum too, absolutely my mum, she's um, she's always cooked with a lot of love that has inspired me. I, th- I
0: think that tends to happen to us all, from, from our parents, be it mother or father or grandparents, they... Somewhere along the line, they always seem to uh, uh, have guided us or caused something uh, to happen. It was in my circumstances, it was my father. Um, Mm. I'd finished, finished at school, I hadn't really got an idea of what I wanted to do, I was 18 and father had a bakery and he said, well, you're not staying around here at home doing nothing you can come and help in the bakery because we're short-staffed. And that's, that's how it began. I I did a year and really just washing the pots and cleaning the trays and, and doing as I was told Well, I thought I was. And mm. <laughs> I, 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 as to take your words, I, I got the bug. I, I went to a, uh, a day release. That was one day a week at a local college. And then it sort of began to get serious and, Father took me to one side and said, well if you if we're going to do this properly, you need to go to a sort of a full-time college and and learn the ropes correctly. you You mentioned that uh, you worked on the the cruise ships. I have great synergy with that because I, I was very fortunate to do the same. Uh, and for a period of time, you're on the MS Fram. That's would, right, yeah. Would, would you like to uh, tell us a little bit? about your experiences on that?
1: I would love to. Um, Fram was the ship uh, that got me outside of Norway, and um, that um, Fram is a is an expedition ship for the Norwegian um, cruise company Hutterutten. And it's their smallest ship, uh, it takes about 200 guests. Um, it was built in 2007, so it's not that old. Um, but this ship is mostly in the Arctic and Antarctic waters. And um, I've had the pleasure to work there as a head chef uh, for four years. And um, I got to see the world through that uh, through the, that uh, ship. And I also got to work with the best uh, Filipino galley team. And um, I worked six to eight weeks on and the same amount of time off. And when you're on board uh, a ship like that you you became you become a family and uh, i love that way of of working uh, where you live and work at the same place you become very close and um, yeah i have a lot of uh, me- good memories on that ship that's for sure
0: my my time on a ship I, I i joined for a year and i was on for two and a half years and went around the world three times i was fortunate enough to be a patissier on the QE2, Queen Elizabeth II, and uh, that didn't s- focus so much on the colder climates. Uh, it went after the sun, although um, the northwest, the North Atlantic Ocean was sometimes a little bit rough, and, and uh, journeys into uh, the fjords and, and uh, Norway, etc., was equally as nice. And a lot of people f- thought it was an easy number. People who've never been cruising before. And when you say, well, you work for three months and have a month off, um, they've no real comprehension that you're only five minutes from where you're sleeping to where you're working. Um, And it doesn't matter if it's Christmas day or a bank holiday or a Sunday. Uh, One day is much the same as the next. You're just in a different location. And from the passengers' points of view, it was, yes, Great, you're going to all these different locations, but from a working point of view, um, you didn't see a lot of the outside. Well, I didn't. Uh, too busy making uh, what were called tab this afternoon tea cakes and petit fours. Now you, you've you obviously went around, uh, a lot around the, the Southern Hemisphere and, and uh, South America and, uh, and around there. Now you find yourself in what could be described, I think, as a fairly cold place all the year round. <laughs> Do yeah. you do do you find that affects your senses and your tastes?
1: We talked about this. Um, the people that are here, and uh, absolutely, it does. Uh, all the senses here are so deprived um, because we only have what's here. We don't have traffic or noises and many smells. So. Um, because it's so quiet and like you can hear the slightest odd noise that you haven't heard before and um, the same comes with smell um, because it's so dry sterile and so when a new smell emerges from somewhere it becomes super intense and then um, yeah we kind of laugh about that and you know who's walking in the corridor you hear their step and you know <laughs> someone's smell, and it's just crazy how everything just gets uh, super sensitive.
0: Almost spooky, actually. By the yeah, it is spooky.
1: It. I knew that uh, after nine months, we had here during the winter, where we were completely isolated, and uh, we um, we didn't have any flights coming in. All the air traffic was closed for nine months, and the first flight that came in brought uh, tomatoes, lime, and, and oranges. And I knew, like, when I put my, like, when I had that first bite of the tomato, it was just going to be absolutely amazing. And it was, it was just the best thing I ever tasted.
0: Working in in a place that sort of affects your senses and tastes like that must be quite a challenge to be cooking meals day in, day out, um, so that they're, they're sort of interesting, different, appealing. And, and of course, you haven't got a supermarket to just go and shop in, have you?
1: No, I don't, no. I have containers that are filled with frozen food and dried food. And, <laughs> yeah. and do you it's f- a challenge, all right.
0: Yes. So do, do you find that uh, all the meals that you cook go down well with all the crew? Or are they a bit too adventurous sometimes?
1: No, it's an easy crowd. They're very happy. They're hard working uh, during the day and it's cold outside. So when they do get inside in the warmth, they're very happy to to get a warm meal. And um, they're all really happy with the food. And I try to be as creative as I can with what I have here. and. Um, just it's fun to make the menu for the week and just try to come up with something new
0: tell me about bread is is that important or how important is that in your sort of repertoire and offering
1: yeah it's very important uh, I think it has become more important than ever uh, since I've been in Antarctica because um, as you said there are no supermarkets we don't have any ready bread so we make everything from scratch here and um, you just, you can see how how uh, satisfaction you get uh, amongst the crew here from the freshly baked bread and they come in, they open the door and they can smell it and they just, they smile. And it's not that, I mean, bread just makes people smile, so it's great. And we're a small community and... Um, we, we live here close together and uh, it says so much about uh, for the well-being. So for, for us here on Troll, it is uh, bread is life.
0: <laughs> what sort of bread are you making?
1: Uh, at the moment, it's sourdough, a lot of sourdough. And um, um, I'm experimenting quite a lot with that at the moment. And uh, But then I also make um, whole grain, just plain, like sort of normal whole grain um, because we also have uh, transportation teams uh, that go that leave the station for up to two weeks three weeks sometimes um, so they take bread with them uh, frozen bread that we make they they prefer this kind of toasty whole grain uh, bread for for that yeah i make a lot of uh, hard bread as well a hard flat bread so yeah, it's it's all sort of different variations.
0: So for your sourdough, I would uh, imagine that you're using a starter or a ferment.
1: Yes, I do.
0: And did you take that down to troll with you or did you start one off when you were there?
1: I started it uh, when I was here. Now, when I'm looking back, I should have probably ordered Uh, A flower that's organic and that has uh, protein, more protein than the flower that I have, because um, it is not as active as I would love it to be. But it's it's living and it's uh, it's doing its job. But um, I think it would have been good if I had an organic flower But it it, it works. It works fine.
0: Of course, you're in a fairly sterile environment there. So uh, f- for natural yeasts and what have you, I suppose that you know that's that's a challenge for it to become active and, and uh, do its job.
1: That's for sure. Yeah, there's it's so sterile. Um, so yeah, I guess that's another part to it. So. Yeah, it's um, harder than (laughs) if you would have been at home, that's for sure, yeah.
0: Looking after a starter or a ferment, as some people call it, it can be quite demanding. Quite often people refer to their starter with a name. Uh, Have you you christened or given your starter a name?
1: Yes, I have. It is a funny story behind it, actually, because during the winter months, uh, the team of six people uh, that were here, we uh, watched this crime show called Johan Falk, uh, it's about a cop in Sweden, and he's up to no good. And uh, he has uh, two people under code names, and one of them is called Lisa, and uh, the sourdough is called Lisa, and the other one, my rye starter is called uh, Jördis, which is a, uh, the different, uh, the other criminal that was under that code name. So we thought that was a prop- appropriate name for the starters internal uh, (laughs) joke
0: It's it's not going to be too long I think before uh, you're you're moving on and you're going to be (coughs) leaving Troll, what's going to happen to the starter?
1: I'm going to dry it and take it with me and uh, I'm going to give give it to people uh, who has been here with me this summer season and uh, yeah whoever wants to have a piece they can Take some sourdough, uh, Lisa or Jördis, whoever they prefer, back uh, to mainland Norway if they want.
0: That's fantastic. Absolutely super yeah. to hear. <laughs> on, on the theme of uh, fermentation, fermenting vegetables, kimchi, is, is uh, becoming particularly popular up here in uh, the UK and and, and Europe. Is that that something that you've taken to?
1: Yes. um, I thought I would uh, sort of go into fermenting and and try to preserve uh, food while I was here, because I knew that we wouldn't have any supply for the nine months. So on the last flight leaving, I made an order from Cape Town. So I ordered in uh, 15 kilos of chinese cabbage and white radish and carrots and yeah different different vegetables so i made a, a big batch of kimchi and it had lasted us until yeah i guess through the whole winter so that was a very good good move and it was so nice the process just to see it sort of fermenting and and bubble and changing smell and Same as the sourdough, it's just nice to see something uh, living and changing.
0: Still on the theme of fermentation, what about beer? Might you make your own beer?
1: Yes, I make my own beer. Me and my dad started making beer in Sweden a few years back uh, in our garage. So, yeah, so I thought making beer on uh, Troll, on the station here, is probably a good pastime during the winter and uh, so me and uh, another guy who's done it before back in norway we made uh, seven different batches that we had during the winter and it was a great pastime. so yeah i was just this excitement of when the fermentation was ready the process of getting it carbonated and then just open it and hear it like fizzle <laughs> it was The little joys you get in the Antarctica—they're just, uh, yeah, really lovely.
0: Magnified, aren't they? I I can well imagine, and hugely important as well. Yeah, magnified. Slightest little things.
1: Love to expand this, uh, this making of beer because I think, yeah, I think I could live, live with that. Like working with making beer when I'm older—that would be a nice thing to have uh, in Sweden. So I just need to buy bigger machineries <laughs> and then I'm off <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's it's also a uh, it's also a lovely product to uh, to make bread with as well um, the flavors that come through oh, yes uh, of the beer as I'm sure you're well aware
1: mm-hmm. yes
0: on on your travels uh, on the Fram you you came across a gentleman by the name of Francis Malman who made a huge impression upon you who and, and where is he and and what is it that uh, he taught you?
1: Yeah, um, maybe I think maybe uh, a lot of people have heard of Chef Table on Netflix, and um, Francis was on the first season of Chef Table, and um, he is this amazing poet chef that cooks very rustic food, and it's only over an open flame, and I love I love that way, that he cooks. And uh, I had this urge to go and see him. I was in uh, in I left the ship in Buenos Aires, and Buenos Aires and Uruguay, where he's based, is very uh, very close. So, I booked myself into his restaurant in garzon which is uh, about four hours from Montevideo, capital of Uruguay, and. Um, took a taxi a long taxi ride it was very expensive and I went to this really tiny village of Garzon and um, I had this table booked and I didn't know if he was going to be there because he has many restaurants um, around southern uh, South America so when I walked into the restaurant he was there and uh, he was standing there uh, cooking <laughs> over an open flame just like I had imagined it to be and uh, I had a um, I was staying overnight at the house next door to the restaurant, and that night I had dinner there, and it was probably goes down in the most uh, memorable dinners I've ever had. And um, the next morning I um, had breakfast, and he was in the table next to me, and I heard him talk about his time when he was in France, and I just sat there. Sipping on my coffee, listening, overhearing him talking. It was great. So I asked if I could go into his kitchen, and uh, I did, and I, I cooked there uh, that day over an open flame. He has no electricity in his kitchen, which is just this, it just blows me away how, how amazing that is. And I met him, and I told him uh, what a big inspiration he's been to me, and and the way he cooks now, and that I love to cook outside and over uh, an open flame. So that was uh, fantastic. He's a uh, friendly and a very humble man.
0: And all too often the the greats are, aren't they? Uh, and they 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 love yeah. to welcome people with a with, with similar passion into their sort of kitchen their bakery and and uh, share the love as I think the expression is
1: yeah I believe that as well and it's it's great that um that he was just uh, treating me like like that and uh, yeah it meant a lot
0: you are I believe a, a disciple and great advocate of Wim Hof the endurance athlete uh, from the Netherlands do, do you find his uh, his methods his thoughts help you
1: Yes, they do. Yeah, he's another inspiration. So what he's kind of uh, living by is that things should not always be so comfortable. Being in, in icy cold water uh, that he uh, that he's famous for. Uh, he has a few world records about uh, staying in the uh, icy uh, cold the longest. and Yeah, he's just amazing but is it inspired me to go swimming in these cold places and it's perfect because from my workplace is in many cold places so I swam in Greenland and Iceland and Svalbard and Antarctica so uh, it's just the energy you get from something like that it's water as low as minus one centigrade and you start to fire out all these defenses so you're basically flushing your whole body of survival instincts. And I don't think I can get that feeling from, from anything else. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's, he's a great man uh, for, um, for breathing exercises and um, for the cold plunge.
0: His, um, his way of life is certainly uh, uh, being spoken about a lot uh, here in the UK. Uh, and likewise, a lot a lot of people are uh, finding great benefits from his breathing exercises.
1: Yeah, I I've, would imagine he's become really popular.
0: I have a couple of sort of quick fire questions uh, for you. Yeah. So what's your favorite tip? What's your favorite tipple?
1: Mm, my favorite tipple would be, I think my dad's vice beer would be uh, my favorite I'm also really fond of a good rum. <laughs> um, yeah, after a good meal.
0: So, so would that be a, uh, a dark rum or a light rum?
1: Yeah, a dark rum. I ordered um, the last rum I had at home was Diplomatico. That's my favourite.
0: I have uh, recollections of when I was cruising and, and occasionally you, crew member, we were allowed ashore. Um, the secret was, of course... Never to miss the ship when it came to leave, so that the timing was, uh, you had to get that right. And in the Caribbean, <laughs> especially, some of the bars in, in Barbados, St. Thomas, uh, the British Virgin Islands, etc., certainly had the biggest array of rums I think I've ever seen anywhere in the world. Not that I can remember a lot about them, but uh, they, they were, I, I do remember the, the range of them. Do you have a favourite song or piece of music?
1: Um, yes, I do. Uh, so um, there's been a lot of 50s and 60s music lately. Um, I started When I started doing sourdough quite uh, often, I, uh, I read somewhere that it's good to feel good when you bake. <laughs> and uh, soul music... Like Aretha Franklin, Nina Simone, Stevie Wonders, uh, and um, music like that uh, has made my sourdough uh, and myself feel quite happy.
0: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Lisa's obviously quite uh, musically taken as well then by the sound of it.
1: (laughs) She is, she is, yeah.
0: (laughs) In the the kitchen, uh, do you have a favourite gadget or piece of equipment?
1: I guess it has to be the, um, the baking, I mean the bread machine, Did, I don't know what I would be without it. Uh, so that that is definitely uh, something that I'm, I'm looking after and uh, I, uh, I don't want it to break and even when I'm thinking about <laughs> that piece of machine uh, failing on me, I, I get the shivers because you can't just get parts or if far away from everything, but I think it could be a good idea to have a spare one standing uh, ready.
0: <laughs> yes, I mean, one can resort to hands, but it's hard work, isn't it? On a, on a 12 yeah, hour day and with everything else to do as well, very much so. What would you consider uh, to be or has been your biggest achievement in terms of pride or, um... or personal satisfaction?
1: I think that uh, my time on the ship MS Fram have, um, was the time that I grew the most. Uh, I um, I learned a lot about the world um, and different food cultures. Um, and, and I sort of incorporated that into my own menu and skills that I now have. And I was also very eager and interested in the food cultures and flavors and especially the local produce. So I would say that the highlight in my cooking career uh, sort of was all that mixed together. And um, it opened my eyes to, to stay local and especially places where we were that was poor. And we would come in and the ship was docked. And um, I went to marketplaces or contacted the the port agent and and asked if if they could show me if there was a speciality uh, in this town or a village. And uh, they were so proud to show me around and happy that I cared about their traditions. Um, so I think that would be something that i'm uh, I'm proud of. and uh, I, and I met a lot of really interesting people, and I, I really grew as a person and with my my menu.
0: Do you think that would be a uh, a good reason to write a book? Have you any aspirations for that?
1: Uh, yeah, you're uh, you're actually not the first one to to ask that question. Uh, so maybe I should. I uh, have been thinking about it. I didn't know that maybe a book would come out of, 12 of writing a diary. I've been writing since I was 12, um, so guess that would be some good material for a book. Who knows? Um, I've been to many amazing places and around the world and very remote places where there's been an odd uh, dish and some interesting th- take on things. So I don't know, would you read a book if I wrote it?
0: I certainly would because it's that i think you've hit the the nail on the head there because so many people won't have experienced all the tastes the sights the sounds the experiences that you've been privy to some may be publishable some may not of course what one sees going to all these different countries the different cultures the different people it can be very very humbling as well as exciting and and Yes, there are a lot of people out there who will be very, very uh, intrigued and interested. I'm not suggesting it will be a Hollywood blockbuster, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure it would make a very good book.
1: Maybe, yeah. yeah.
0: You, you mentioned how uh, Francis Malman made a huge impression of you. Who, who do you most admire in your life,
1: if we took him out of the equation? Uh, it's my mother. Yeah, she's absolutely uh, fantastic. She's always cheering me on. And supporting me Um, it was really difficult to to say goodbye to her when I was going uh, off on my Antarctic Antarctic adventure she's someone like I I can call her anytime and she's just this woman that's full of wisdom and um, yeah she has the best humor (laughs) and we travel together as well Uh, when I'm not working on the ship uh, we've been to Australia and we've been to the Philippines together to visit uh, the crew that I work with on the ship. We went to see uh, their families back in, uh, was it four years ago? We have a lot of fun together. She's someone I, I really admire.
0: I sense there'll be a big hug coming on when you return to Sweden. Massive. <laughs> Out of interest. what? What do you eat for comfort?
1: What do I eat for comfort? It's kind of hard to find where I live in the countryside of Sweden. But if I can find, uh, I I love wontons, Chinese wontons and dumplings, or uh, Vietnamese spring rolls. Um, I like spicy, salty, kind of sticky Asian food. Spicy grilled squid or octopus is a favourite with plenty of uh, soya and fish sauce and chilies, That's nice. That's comfort food for me.
0: Sounds delicious. What dish would you uh, wish to serve to friends and family? What's number one dish?
1: Number one dish, that would be outdoors cooked food. Outdoorsy cooked food. Around the fire, sitting around the fire. I've had this done with family and friends and I could just see that... uh, it's just a different kind of level of eating or you can um, do like a pit fire food and like the old way of cooking in the ground I've done that as well that's really fulfilling when you start by making a fire heat the stones the rocks you have the hole in the ground and you put your meat in the ground around the the rocks and leave it there overnight it's just um, I love that way of cooking do you have any obsessions obsessions uh, sourdough <laughs>
0: absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with that at all I can, I can understand outside, is the, is the...
1: The, outside the kitchen uh, I have some obsessions that would be mountains I think and, and uh, taking pictures of the mountains around here and, and also a bit of an obsession has been podcasts lately and uh, I listen to a lot of outdoorsy uh, podcasts like wildlife survival in the nature podcast
0: whereabouts is your out of all these places uh, around the world that you've been to um, do you have a favorite
1: South Georgia is my favorite absolutely This you... island uh, that's located uh, about three days uh, boat ride uh, from the Falkland Islands to the east and then you hit south uh, georgia and after that it's just open sea all the way to africa it's just a uh, very very uh, a remote place full of penguins and sea lions and elephant uh, seals i mean and just no no people there just just animals and untouched nature
0: i can relate to that very much. They, during my time on the QE2, d- during the uh, two and a half years, the Falklands War cropped up, and my wife, now my wife, has been for, for uh, over 30 years. Uh, Janet, I met her on the ship, she was a telephonist. And we both volunteered to take what was 5th Brigade, the Welsh Guards, Scots Guards and the Gurkhas, down somewhere south. We didn't know where we were going and uh, the QE2 was converted into a troop-carrying ship. After a fortnight, we ended up at uh, South Georgia, at Grip where the whole conflict had begun. Now, it was very different circumstances for myself. Instead of making cakes and petty fours uh, and carrying f- fee-paying passengers, um, it, it was sort of a, a, a ship of war with, with uh, soldiers on board and lots and lots of ammunition and as long as you were busy in the bakery as a baker you were sort of engrossed in the day-to-day work of what you had to do and the reality of the, the purpose of why you were there didn't really dawn on you and I recollect at South Georgia where we dropped anchor we didn't know it until we were told that's where it was arms on the railing looking over the side at the mountains the air just smelt so clean, and everything just seemed to be very vivid in colour. The snow on the mountaintops couldn't believe we were there for the reason that we were. May sound silly to say, but you could smell the cleanliness um, and, and it, the crispness of the air as well, which I would imagine where you are uh, in antarctica there's a, there's this silence and the cold isn't that that is so sort of uh, appealing and alluring at the same time
1: yeah i uh, i so agree with you uh, on that south georgia freshness uh, of in the air and the and the snow on the mountains and the sea there is a different color and I think everything is just a different color i, I it's really difficult to explain yeah it's just uh, it feels like you're in this jurassic park world or something it's just um yeah hard to describe the silence and the cold uh, where i am now it's just um you're left completely uh, with your own thoughts when you're in silence like that and you're only with yourself and that's something that i really really love like you have no inputs to disturb you and it feels easier to think and be creative no disturb disturbing uh, noises or and things like that. So the cold is great because it also eliminates how much people there is around you. Cold places have less people. And I'm a huge fan of remote places and uh, untouched nature. So that goes hand in hand. And uh, Antarctica is the coldest and the windiest place on earth. Uh, I have uh, experienced uh, temperatures as low as minus 50 Celsius uh, and triple hurricane uh, forces. So no wonder there is no people here. I I love that.
0: Back to the kitchen. If I was to allow you just three ingredients, uh, what would they be and what would you make? I think I might know the answer to this, but uh, you tell me.
1: (laughs) Do you think so? Uh, I think this is a question that's always changing a little bit, uh, depending on... um, Well, I think mine, the first one is butter. Uh, i'm a, i love butter and i can't live without eggs and with butter and eggs you can make a great uh, bernay or a hollandaise or you can um if you find flour somewhere you can make something really good the third ingredient i um would say an old hard cheese that's high in salt content because you can use that cheese i think for a lot of different purposes
0: fascinating and you're coming towards your uh, end of your tenure at troll where where you off to next
1: i decided to have some time off when i get back to sweden uh, so i can slowly ease uh, my my way back to society a bit to be honest it's a little bit terrifying to go back to the world after being here for 15 months but i will stay in my cabin for two months And uh, slowly sort of starting to uh, get back to the world again. But after my two months, I'm heading up north uh, to Norway. And I'm going to uh, a remote island, (laughs) could you guess, at Stegen in um, quite close to Lofoten. Uh, Peninsula. And um, I got a job at this island working as a chef. Um, It's a beautiful small island run by a man called Burge Ausland. And uh, he is uh, the most impressive explorer actually of our modern time. He was the first person to cross Antarctica, uh, unsupported. And he sailed around the North Pole. And there is uh, no end to what this uh, man actually uh, have achieved. So I'm uh, going to be a bit starstruck when I meet him. I think I haven't met him yet. So I'm going to be working on this island from May till um, end of September, begin, uh, mid-October. And uh, what this island is famous for is that you try to to sort of harvest what's, what's around you. You go out fishing. You go diving for uh, for shells and clams and uh, you have uh, sheep that, that roams free on the island and uh, there's a big garden there as well. So uh, for a chef I think that's a dream come true.
0: To me it sounds as uh, if it's going to be another chapter in this book that you're going to be writing. <laughs>
1: maybe yes maybe i will continue writing my diary that's for sure
0: well karen it's been uh, fascinating listening to your uh your story it doesn't seem possible that uh, you can be as far away as you are from me talking to you the temperature that it is it's, it's just a mild minus one degrees here where i am um, which is sort of a walk in the park in antarctica <laughs> So it's, yeah. it's been a great pleasure and it's been an honour to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed.
1: It's been very nice talking to you and uh, I really enjoy hearing your uh, your stories too. It uh, sounds like we have a lot in common.
0: Who knows, I might have to come uh, and, and uh, spend a holiday in Norway. To, uh, yeah, you should. C- come along and sample some food.
1: That would be amazing. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Baker's Dozen on Food FN You've been listening to The Baker's Dozen on Food FM with your host Stephen Hallam, the pork pie man with a bow tie from the old pork pie shop in Melton Mowbray, the centre of excellence for pork pies.